Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Gary Alloway. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, tonight, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. The word of the Lord. Be to God. All right. Here we are in week four of Advent. As we continue to move through Luke chapter one, we come to the birth of John the Baptist and Zechariah's song. So I invite you to pray for me before we dive in here. Lord, we pray that you would illumine our minds and our hearts and enliven our hands and feet, Lord, so that this passage would come alive in us, so that we would be called by it, we would be shaped by it, it would become who we are, Lord, that this would not be knowledge that we master, Lord, but we'd become who we are, people that know your voice speaking in the wilderness. Be with me as I speak, Lord. May your spirit speak tonight. May you speak both in my words and despite my words, so that your glory might be shown. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So some of you might know one of my favorite passages of the Bible is Isaiah chapter 40, which is what this passage is based on. 
And if you remember from our study of Isaiah last year, I'm sure everybody took, you know, thorough notes and remembers everything we talked about a year and a half ago when we studied Isaiah, that I, the book of Isaiah was probably written in two parts, chapters 1 to 39 and then 40 to 66. The second part might actually have two parts as well. But the first part is written before the exile. And these chapters warn the people of Israel about going into exile, and they scream at them, and they say, turn around and get it right, and don't go into exile. Turn back to God, and there's still a chance to make it right. But the people don't listen, and they continue in their ways, and these chapters conclude with the people of Israel going into exile. And in 586, this is what happens. The Babylonians come, and they destroy the temple, and they kill the king, and they carry the people off to Babylon. And the people go in to the wilderness. They go into exile. And as I always say, if you're reading the book of Isaiah, you should stop right there at the end of chapter 39 and pause. I almost wish we put a blank page in between those two chapters. Be silent and feel the weight of the exile, what it must have been like to lose home, to lose the land, to lose God. You allow yourself to sit in that pain and, and bring your own exile into it, your own wilderness, your own sense of alienation and separation from God. And just when you've sat in it long enough, Sit in it a minute longer till it hurts just a little bit. And then let the silence be broken by these words, the words of Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain shall be made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. After 50 years of silence, this voice breaks through in the wilderness. In Jerusalem, the people had grown stagnant and stale, rebellious and entitled, assuming the religion rather than practicing it. But here in the wilderness of exile, when Israel is broken and at her lowest, they are finally broken of their pride and God speaks. And God says, I love you and I have you. And I have good things for you. The voice of God breaks in in the wilderness, and it will start a beautiful new vision, not just of comfort, right? But Isaiah 40 will start this grand vision of God making all things new, finally concluding with the new heavens and the new earth of God restoring all things. The voice of God is more than just comfort. It's the beginning of something new, going all the way back to Genesis 1, when God speaks and his creation comes to life. In the wilderness, the voice of God comes.
And Isaiah 40 comes true. In 538 BC, the Emperor Cyrus issues this decree, and the people are allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And they rebuild the temple, and they're restored to God. But yet, something isn't quite right. The prophets and the people seem to know it. Israel remains under foreign domination. For a time, these foreign kings even shut down the temple and set up an image of Zeus. There is no new Davidic king, and God just seems silent. And there were many who believed that this exile that was supposed to last 70 years was somehow now 70 times 7 years, and the people were still in exile at the time that Jesus is born. And we hear this in Zechariah's song, our passage for tonight. I want to read this to you again. It's a pretty positive passage, but I want you to hear underneath it the things that Zechariah is saying. He says that God is working but listen to the ways that he describes Israel. Listen to the ways that he admits that they are in wilderness. So, Maria, if you want to put that back up. This is Zechariah's song that he sings. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to, to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Again, Zechariah is confident that God is at work and doing something new, but he's up front with the place that Israel finds themselves. They're still under foreign domination. They still are separated from this, the covenant that God has given Abraham. They feel the weight of their sin. He says that John will bring them knowledge of the forgiveness of sins, which means they're still lost. They're still a people walking in darkness. Zechariah had a comfortable life, and then God brings him into silence, brings him into the wilderness. But in the depth of the wilderness, the voice of God speaks. In the depth of exile, when Zechariah allows himself to be broken and admit where things are, God shows up. And in this case, it's John. He is the voice crying out in the wilderness, the one that prepares the way of God, the beginning of something new. Just like Isaiah 40, John is the beginning of the coming of the kingdom of God and the restoration of all things. Before this time of silence, Zechariah could have just muddled through, right? We're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But now he's willing to admit that we are broken before God. And when he admits that, the voice of God speaks. And so here we are at the end of Advent. Tomorrow is the darkest day of the year. We're in the season of Advent, a season where we already remember our longing, the ways that our faith is incomplete, our mourning. 
And we're celebrating this year in the midst of a pandemic. So this might not be a hard question for us this year, but where are you in the wilderness? Where are you lost? Where have you wandered far from God? Where is sin winning in your life? Where are you downcast or despondent or falling apart? Where are you just not really nailing it? It's not our tendency to name these things. Normally we wanna cover over them as much as possible or just kind of push through or move on with our, our normal lives. In Jerusalem, we could fake our way through it, but now that we're in Babylon, it's time to surrender. And it's my overwhelming experience is this, that when we stop fighting and stop flailing and just admit that we are lost, God comes. The voice of God speaks. When we finally admit that we are in the wilderness, God shows up. Amen? I remember when I was 28 years old, uh, this is a story that happened to me. I'd been out of seminary for about a year, and I honestly was just not doing very well. I was living in an apartment in Feasterville, and I was very lonely, and I got very depressed, and I had just come through a difficult relationship, and I hadn't really recovered from that. I was working my first church and making all the mistakes you make at a first job and just wasn't doing very well. And yet I kept plowing through day after day. You kind of get by and you say, well, we'll just figure it out tomorrow. Everything will be okay. And then finally I got in the car and just took a road trip. And I first I, I went, I headed north. I didn't have a great itinerary. I just kind of went. And first I went up to Burlington, Vermont. Anybody been to Burlington, Vermont? There you go. Marie has some fun pictures for us. There's me at the Ben and Jerry's ice cream factory. Anybody ever been to the Ben and Jerry's ice cream factory? And of course, if you go there, you have to visit the flavor graveyard. Um, you can see all the Ben and Jerry's flavors that no longer exist. Yes, indeed. You have to mourn for the flavors while you're there. And after I left Burlington, I drove up to Montreal and I went up to Canada and there's me overlooking the city of Canada. And I took this picture of this guy that I just found fascinating, the ultra serious French Canadian man who was overlooking Montreal. And then finally I went up to Quebec and I ended up in Quebec city. And if you've never been there, it's this beautiful old historic city. And I wandered around the city. And then the last day I was there, the weather turned bad. And I was just wandering around the city on this gray, wet, rainy day. And I finally reached my hand. And I finally got to the point where I just put out my hands and I said, God, I, I can't do this anymore can't do this anymore. I am lost. And when I was finally willing to admit that I was in the wilderness, the voice of God came and it spoke to me and said, I love you and I have you and I have good things for you. I love you and I have you and I have good things for you. If you've never heard those words from God, I invite you to take them in now and let them ring in every place that you are in the wilderness. I love you 
and I have you, and I have good things for you. Now, I can't say my life was instantly better, right? That's not really the way it works. In the same way, when the voice comes to Israel in exile, they aren't back in Jerusalem immediately. And yet the voice, that moment where we admit we can't do it and we let that voice come is the start of something. It's that moment that the light breaks the darkness. It's that little stream of light that comes in a dark room and breaks the power of the darkness. And that was the beginning of healing, the beginning of moving back towards God, the beginning of a new creation, just like Isaiah 40, just like John the Baptist coming. Have you ever had a moment like that? Where you stop plastering over everything and just admitted, God, I cannot do this without you. I am in the wilderness. Now, Israel had to go into exile before it was humble enough to cry out. And Zechariah had to be silent for nine months before he would do it. And I had to drive all the way to Quebec. But none of this is required of us. We can wake up tomorrow morning and do it all the same. We don't have to get to our last, the, the end of our rope. We can actually do it just even now. Lord, I need you. I cannot do this without you. I am in the wilderness. And when we can admit that, when we can admit that we are broken and lost without God, the voice of God comes and it says, I love you and I have you and I have good things for you. In the wilderness, the voice of God comes. Amen. So that's one side of our story. There's a second side of our story here that I want to talk about. Um, this is kind of our, our Advent theme that Ian brought up in our first week of Advent, that God humbles the exalted and exalts the humble. Just as God lifts us up when we reach our low point, we also see that the, all the places that we are too comfortable and too proud, we actually need to surrender to God. And this is in the story of Zechariah. Zechariah, of course, we met a few passages ago. He's a priest and he's on duty with the, at the temple and he meets an angel and the angel tells him that he will have a child. And when Zechariah questions the angel, his voice is taken from him and he's unable to speak for nine long months. You can imagine if you're a priest for a living, talking is probably a big part of what you do. And yet he, he, he has to give this up. And finally, his son is born. And if we remember, he and his wife did not have a child before this. This is their first and only child, and they have a son. And everyone says, name him Zechariah, name him Zechariah, name him after you. Maybe he can rise up and be a great priest just like you. But Elizabeth insists that his name is John. And when the tablet is given to Zechariah, he also insists that his name is John. There you go. There's the picture of the story right there. And I've been reflecting on, on Zechariah this week because, you know, it, it might be a silly thing, right, just to name him John. That might not have much meaning to us. First of all, it is his family name, right? He's giving up something of pride there. But there's more than that going on, especially if we think about the story of John, right? John doesn't grow up to be a priest like his father. He doesn't grow up in Jerusalem. He doesn't grow up in the temple. He doesn't grow up to be a value, a, a, an important person in society. 
Instead, John will grow up as a prophet in the wilderness. John won't comfortably provide for his father in his old age. Instead, John himself will die as a young man due to his faith. And John is Zechariah's only child, right? A miracle child born in old age. But Zechariah releases him to God here. I, I think this passage is much more similar to Abraham taking Isaac to the mountain and being willing to sacrifice him. And Hannah bringing Samuel to the temple and giving him up. Instead of clinging to his worldly security, right, he finally has a son, someone who will carry on his legacy, someone who will provide him security, and he gives him up. He is willing to trust God and enter into the wilderness. And so this passage asks us if we are willing to do the same. Are we willing to let God call us out of our comfort, out of our security, out of our routines? Or when we have those moments of security, do we cling to them? Do we need to make our life as comfortable as possible? Or are we willing to follow God into the wilderness? It's uncomfortable to be sure, but look what happens when Zechariah surrenders, right? First of all, the first thing that happens is Zechariah surrenders and he says his name is John. And it says that his mouth is open and he begins to sing the praise of God, right? The voice of God comes as soon as he is willing to go into the wilderness, as soon as he is letting to get, let go of his security and trust God. The voice of God speaks through him in this amazing psalm that he speaks, the psalm that we're still reading today. And what's even cooler, right, is as soon as the, the, his psalm goes out, it says in verse 65 and 66, all the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about all these things, and everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? The voice of God doesn't just come out of him. It echoes out, and the entire countryside is talking about what God is doing. And imagine that for this priest, right? He's probably been preaching and teaching Bible studies his entire life. He's been talking his entire life. And yet when he shuts up and surrenders to God, the voice of God speaks through him and it goes out to the entire countryside. And not only does this psalm live us, up to us today, and not only does this voice go out to the countryside, in surrendering John, John is able to become John the Baptist. This man who will call all of Israel back to repentance and renewal, the man that will usher in the ministry of Christ, who will begin the coming of the kingdom of God. So part of our story tells us to name the places we are already in the wilderness. But part of it calls us the other way to say, are you willing to go into the wilderness? Zechariah is willing to go into the wilderness. He's willing to give up comfort and security. And the voice of God comes. And again, I love Marjorie's question. What's standing out to us at Christmas this year? This seems to be the theme that God just keeps hitting me over the head with of the lowly come to Christ. The lowly are there for Christmas, those who are humble, those who are broken, those who know they're sinners. And the important people miss it. The comfortable people miss it because they have important things to do. They have routines to uphold, important places to be. 
As I was thinking about this passage this week, it strikes me in the book of Luke, as we go further, there's, there's two rich men who will show up later in the book of Luke, Luke 18 and 19. The first one is the rich young ruler, right? He has all the credentials to be a great follower of Jesus. He follows the law. He's got money. He's well-spoken. He seems to be legitimately inquired about what it takes to follow Jesus. And then Jesus asks him to enter the wilderness. He says, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the man walks away. And the second man is Zacchaeus. Just one chapter over. We just, we just flip the page and there's Zacchaeus. And unlike the rich young ruler, he's not devout or handsome or ready to serve. He seems to have been a lying, cheating bastard right up until the moment Jesus looks him in the eye and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. And when he encounters Jesus, it breaks him. And Zacchaeus says, look, Lord, how here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Two men, both wealthy, both proud, both comfortable. One was willing to go into the wilderness, and the other wasn't. And one of them comes into the kingdom and salvation of God. Wherever you domesticated your faith just a little too much, Where would you be unwilling to follow God into the wilderness? Where has security and comfort become your God? I find myself challenged by this in the middle of my life here when routines have become so important and security is such a thing. But I know Zechariah's story, right? When I'm willing to go into the wilderness, when I'm willing to enter into those places of risk, those places of precarity, the places where I can only succeed if God shows up, I know it happens. I know what it is to be Zechariah and speak about God all day long, and yet to have those moments of surrender where the voice of God goes out in ways that I couldn't possibly do on my own. Will you follow God into the wilderness? Or is it a little too messy? and irresponsible. God won't abandon us if we cling to our security, but we will miss it. We'll miss out on something. We'll miss out on the kingdom of God. And we'll miss out on the voice of God because it's there that God speaks. It's there when we sit and we, we go into the places where we can only succeed with God. It's there that we hear the voice of God speak.
So if I can say nothing else to us tonight, I'd say this. Don't be afraid of the wilderness. Don't be afraid. Just like there's angels say to the shepherds when they, when, when they show up and call them to leave their flocks and go find this baby who's going to be king. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the wilderness that's already in your life, the mess, the ways you have messed things up. Don't be afraid to go into that with God because God will meet you there. Stop papering it over and thinking God wants a show from you. But go into the wilderness and let God speak to you. And in all the ways you're afraid to lose your life, don't be afraid of the wilderness. Go into the places of faith. Go into the places of risk. Go into the places of precarity. Be willing to go into the places where you can only succeed if God shows up. Because guess what? He will. So don't be afraid of the wilderness because it is in the wilderness that the voice of God comes. It is in the wilderness of exile. It is in the wilderness of Christmas. It is in the wilderness of Advent. It is in the wilderness of 2020. The voice of God comes and it speaks to you. And it says, I love you. And I have you. And I have good things for you. Amen. Amen. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.